Hello and welcome to this very special episode of Spotlight with Sandhya. Our guest today is Vinita Bali, a global business leader. Vinita is known for her skills in building brands across five continents. She's worked with companies such as Coca-Cola and Cadbury's and of course Britannia which she led very successfully as the CEO. She's now an independent director on the board of several multinational companies. Welcome to the show Vinita. Thank you Sandhya, great to be here. Finally. Finally. You know, I've always wondered what makes Vinita Bali tick. When you returned to India after 16 years, there was so many companies that were rolling out the red carpet for you and yet you chose to accept the offer from a company that was going to very troubled times, Britannia. Why did you do that? You know, I guess Sandhya, I um, I opt for, you know, not the always not the tried and tested, but where there is a possibility to actually do something different. And, um, you know, it wasn't just Britannia. Before that, I chose to go and work in Nigeria. I was offered. I could have said yes or no. Uh, This is when I was in Cadbury's. So I went to Nigeria at a time when, uh, you know, frankly, very few men would venture, let alone a single woman going to Nigeria. Then from there, I could have come back to India as CEO of Cadbury. Instead, I was given the option and I chose that option to go to South Africa. I was the first ever professional from India to go and work in South Africa. So I guess, you know, all of these, my decision to join Britannia, my decision to go and work in Latin America when I was in Coke as the division president of Latin America, again, the first time a woman was there as division president. So I think it's uh, it's some innate sense of adventure. It's about, uh, you know, taking something uh, which is essentially good and has a good foundation, taking it apart, putting it together again, and then seeing the magic that unfolds. So I guess it's partly temperament, partly what you get attracted to. All right. So, um You know, especially because you've been such a successful leader and you have a seat on the board of so many companies, that brings me to the question of what I see happening in many uh, companies in India. Uh, The thought was, especially I'll talk about IT because we are in the IT capital of India. The thought was, you know, IT was built by a a first generation of entrepreneurs and they were quite unlike the old uh, kind of um, uh, business people who were more family oriented and there was a lot of nepotism. So there was also the feeling that there would be more transparency, accountability and uh, commitment to building the company uh, in a more uh, clear and uh, clean manner. But when you see things that are happening, especially um, not to pick only on one company, but that's the case that comes to the top of my mind, what we saw happening with Baiju's, for example. It seems to be very worrisome. Uh, Despite uh, instances of uh, government crackdown, you know, uh, what happened with uh, Satyam and what happened uh, with uh, 
Kingfisher and things like that. How is it that still companies and young new companies, which ought to know better, are still doing um, things not exactly healthy? Mm -hmm. So I want to understand your perspective. You know, actually, Sandhya, my perspective on this is fairly straightforward and uh, simple, and that is that you know behavior has a lot to do with character and your work ethic and it doesn't matter whether you are a new age company or you know traditional companies um, there have been there are good examples of great governance in both and there are examples of poor governance in both so i think at the end of the day it is about the quality of leader you have it is about frankly the quality of the board Boards are there precisely to govern, and um, you know, whilst the executive team is responsible for the business, the board is primarily responsible for ensuring that there is a good governance cadence in every organization. So, you know, when organizations fail, and it's not just in India. Take the example of Volkswagen. Take the example of um, Wells Fargo Bank, etc. So when governance fails, it is a failure of leadership, not just in amongst the executives, but also within the board. How do you think this problem can be fixed? Can it be fixed? It has to be. Well, I mean, you know, there are two ways of looking at the problem. One is, can we regulate more? Can we legislate more? Can we reduce the degrees of freedom, uh, you know, so that, less and less of this happens you can't eliminate it because people are people and there will always be people who will find ways of circumventing and so on you know all too often i hear that um, you know this is fine because legally it stands up for scrutiny i think the real question that leaders have to ask is is what is legally correct also ethically right and what are the messages that we are sending out and i think it requires at the end of the day a set of principles and ethics which says that this is the way this company or this school or this university or this institute whatever the entity is is going to be managed and we are not going to compromise on you know ethics um just to be expedient Right. I think it's all about ultimately all of this is really about people and of course the checks and balances that you create around people but ultimately it is the decision of an individual or a group of individuals that determines the actions that take place so one should not be chasing only profits profits are important but it's also important to be driven by morals and ethics You know, absolutely. I think the days of you know Milton Friedman saying the purpose of business is business are um, you know have the, the the whole the whole ecosystem has evolved. You know, the purpose of business is to nourish consumers and customers. It's to nourish our planet. Why is ESG being made mandatory for companies around the world? Because companies have actually given enough empirical evidence to say. that you know we are happy to take away all the natural resources without you know concerns for 
what is going to be the long-term effect of those decisions on the environment, on society, on communities. You know, we are talking about a world where, yes, absolute standards have become better for everybody, but the disparity has increased. You know, the number of billionaires on the one hand and the number of people who live impoverished lives. Uh, it shouldn't be, but it is. That brings me to uh, um, the work that you're doing in the field of nutrition. You, I know you started it. I mean, you've been in the uh, food business forever, I would say. And then you did start these initiatives when you were at Britannia. But then you, you've also been part of the global <coughs> initiatives, right? You were the global chair for GAIN. Uh, so tell me, despite the government and private players like you committing so much of money, uh, time and effort, India ranks pathetically low in the global hunger index. Why is that? Yeah, it's a sad commentary on where we are. We rank pathetically low, not just in the hunger index, but also nutrition, also gender equality. And, you know, and all of these are actually uh, related. Um, two or three things I would say. One is that, you know, nutrition is a complex subject or topic. It's not like, you know, we've got to inoculate people with a vaccine and therefore let's just get the vaccine and figure out a way of inoculating people. And once we've done that, our task is over. Nutrition is something that you have to be very patient with. It takes a long time to show up in indicators of health. It requires, it is a multidimensional issue because it has to do with access to not just food, but nutritious food. It has to do with access to portable water. It has to do with access to sanitation. It has to do with access to healthcare on a timely basis. All of these things have to come together in an ecosystem that is then capable of delivering good nutritional outcomes. Now, the tragedy I think of India is that we've got some fantastically conceptualized programs that were designed to exactly tackle the issue of undernutrition and poor nutrition. So just very quickly, you know, there are 1.4 million Anganwadi centers as part of the ICDS program of the government that was specifically designed to cater to the needs of children below the age of six and nursing and pregnant women. Right. The protocols are there. The kids have to be weighed. There is food that is to be given, etc., etc. It is in the implementation of these programs that there are gaps between what is the intent and what is actually delivered. And those need to be, you know, to my mind, energized. This is, an, this is a wonderful time to invite public-private partnerships, let the private sector come in with all their competencies and capabilities in running, you know, institutions like this and work with the government um, to deliver better outcomes. So I think we've got an infrastructure. It just needs to be energized, rejuvenated, and fixed. We've got another fabulous scheme, which is the Midday Meal Scheme, exactly. which feeds 120 million children across India. And I'm also associated on the advisory board of Akshay Patra. Akshay Patra only feeds 2 million children. 
There are 120 million to be fed. We need more Akshay Patras delivering that quality, delivering that nutrition, etc. Then we have to have access to primary healthcare centers. So I think the point I'm making in a very long way is we don't need to create anything new. If we just put all our energy, whether it is government alone, government and private sector, government, private sector and development agencies coming together and saying, let's run what we have the way it was meant to be run. I think we could tackle this challenge. Uh, you know, then there are other things like cultural issues, uh, the importance given to women and the diet of women. We've got underweight adolescent girls, right. several of whom, 25% of whom will be married off before the age of 18. They start producing children before their bodies are ready to actually, uh, you know, uh, produce a child. And that's why infant uh, maternal mortality is higher the younger you are. So there are many, the fixes have to come, not just in terms of providing nutritious food, but also in some of the cultural norms and behaviors that we as a society seem to perpetuate. And there has to be an understanding of this. I don't think very many people understand what nutrition is. Right. I think it's like you said, it has to be dealt with at so many different levels. And they are so insidious the yes. kind of practices that actually trip up any initiatives. It's all very well to come up with a scheme, but the implementation and the depth that it has to regulate, right. that right. is very important. And since you talked about culture, you know, I'm a strong believer in using culture as a channel to bring about social change. Yeah. And we run our, you know, women's festivals. We use music, theater, dance, <coughs> literature to make that happen. And I know that you are a very uh, fervent and ardent supporter of the arts too. Um, you've learned dance and music yourself. And I think you've been in theater productions too. So are you still part of any of these? Well, not actively in the sense that, you know, I'm not acting in a play, uh, which I did when I was in college and so on. But yes, I'm associated with uh, art organizations and contributing in whichever way I can, you know, through ideas, through helping with fundraising. Um, because, you know, Sandhya, I deeply, deeply believe that arts, any form of art, whether it is folk art, classical art, um, performing arts especially, uh, have the power to tell wonderful stories that sensitize us, that make us humane. Because, you know, art has the capacity, I believe, whether you're a writer or, um, you know, a puppeteer or whatever, to take things that are happening in the environment and create stories out of them which people can relate to. Right. And I think that part of art, that excellence that art had, certainly for people like me as I was growing up, you know, to see the, the mastros and to see people who had spent their entire life, um, you know, learning whatever art they were performing, um, I think is a source of huge inspiration, you know, as a sports you know, for people who relate to sports. But I think as human beings, it's important to relate to 
you know sports to relate to arts to uh, you know to to be you know enchanted uh, by the environment uh, you know a beautiful flower an animal a sunrise a sunset i think all of these uh, an appreciation of all of these which art enables us to do you know you read the poetry of wordsworth or tagore or eliot or whatever you can't not be moved by it absolutely and i i think it makes life worth living when you spend your whole day trying to make money or meet targets or please a whole lot of stakeholders this is something that is going to make you mellow and human and actually connect with the people whom you are supposed to connect with it actually helps you first of all connect with yourself and when you connect better with yourself i think you connect better with people as well absolutely i couldn't agree more and now you know much as i wish that i didn't have to ask this question tell me how much women have made progress in breaking the glass ceiling in corporate world or is it still very much there well i mean obviously there is some progress but it's completely inadequate um and you know the numbers are there i mean i'm not inventing this statistic if you look at the fortune 500 companies less than 12% are led by uh, women um the situation in india is certainly no better uh, you know when you and if you take out the sliver of professional women the number reduces uh, even more um so it's not a good track record at all according to me we've got very accomplished people i'm not calling them women we've got very accomplished people and i think if we created the context and an environment which said that it's not about your gender it's about your competency it's about your track record it's about your leadership it's about your adaptive skills it's about the culture you will be capable of creating if we went by those rather than you know gender will women be able to work then they go off to have babies i mean i think all those are such you know such cliched uh, arguments that they don't hold up what is important is to ensure that you've got the best talent for the responsibility or the job at hand and i think people in decision making roles who most of them happen to be men right now have to walk the talk it's not enough to say you know it's diversity and inclusion and so on it is to show through your action what you're just mouthing and you know when that changes things will change but right now i have to say i'm very despondent when i read the report that the world economic forum put out this year which said at the current rate of progress and this is not just for corporate uh, at the current rate of progress it will take 161 years to achieve gender equity i mean is this a society we want to live in that is the question people have to ask and they can they can change it if everybody is committed to make that change happen you can't change it and if yeah. you ask me that change also has to be driven and propagated to a large extent by men 
by decision makers who mostly happen to be men and by influencers in the society you know i keep talking about i wish we had more dangal dads you know from the film dangal absolutely i mean you know more dad said absolutely i am going to make sure that my daughters get the same opportunities that i would give to my sons things would be very different women have to fight against odds to accomplish something whether it is our hockey team whether it is our cricket team whether it is in the corporate world or whatever whether it's the wrestlers themselves the women wrestlers yes 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 you know more women voices have to be heard it's not about women voices i actually think more voices, voices. representing different perspectives different experiences um you know different lenses different contexts more of those voices have to be heard you know irrespective of age gender ethnicity religion where you come from yeah the, if we are contributing to a society mm. that is so complex and multilayered it only makes sense to have the people running the companies also realize that uh-huh. that you have to allow these people to be part of the process and visibly so not tuck them away not even allow you have to welcome these people because you have to believe that your success lies in actually working with diversity right. and not against diversity irrespective of what you say so you know somebody said your actions speak so loudly i can't hear your words this is that absolutely such a brilliant line and i really think that's something that all of us should be following so vinita another reason for me to thank you is for giving us the blurb for this book um, ashok suta's book which i had the amazing opportunity to co-author and i really love the blurb that you gave and i want to read it out you've said that it's a delightful book that takes a deep dive into popular myths integrity again uh, uh, it's everything that mr suta stands for i would say and to be quite honest uh, what i what endears me to this book is that it's just so simple and sensible because it makes you see perspectives um you know it's almost like taking a wide angled view of things that we've lived with or grown up with i also like the way it has been put into you know myths around strategy myths around people and culture myths around process and um, it's great you know for somebody like peter and um, mr suta himself to go back to their experience and question not only things that they have done or encountered but what other companies have done you know for example that uh, uh, you know that illustration of somebody asking bill gates you know what did you think you missed out on and his response which is you know android uh, i think what it does is it tells the story uh in a very simple ma- manner and i like the way the book has been uh, written um as well and you know do we have to agree with everything that has been said the answer is no uh does it make us think certainly the answer is yes and i think that's the purpose of books like this 
Yes. I mean, it's meant to <clears throat> make the reader debate within themselves or with their peers. Yes. And that's what's going to help us do things in a different way going forward. Yeah. And I know you were a collaborator on the book. So, you know, very well, uh, very well done. And, uh, you know, we need, we also need business books like this, which, uh, you know, which, um, which are simple to read, um, which are vibrant in their own way, which are practical. Um, and um, so, uh, so I think, you know, this is a great way of getting people into thinking about things that they are surrounded by. And especially people, you know, who believe that they are leaders, they are strategists, they are, uh, you know, they're going to change the mold of an industry um, is to, you know, benefit from the wisdom of what this book contains. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> thank you again. And I'm really happy that we got the blurb from you because I really felt that it has to carry the voices of people who have already shown the world what they can do with the opportunities that they've had. So I'm very glad that Thank you could you. give it. Thank you. And I'll take the opportunity to present you with a book in which we have featured you. <laughs> There's a book that we did for the CII on bold and brilliant uh, women in uh, Karnataka. And here is Vinita Bali, one of the boldest and most brilliant women in corporate India. Thank you. Thanks to this, I discovered this book. I had no idea that a book such as this had been done. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vinita. Thank you so much. And to our audience, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Spotlight with Sandhya, where I was able to chat with Vinita Bali. Until I'm back again with another interesting guest, take care and bye-bye. If you haven't yet done so, please subscribe to the Raintree Media channel and follow this podcast. Thank you.